I invite you to uh, open your Bible. There's a pew Bible in front of you, if you don't have one, to the book of Exodus, page 47. And we are in the midst of a a series in uh, the book of Exodus, chapter 4. We've heard the story of Moses and his birth and his early life and the ways that God worked through turning points in his life. And now we're back to his encounter, the encounter that Moses had with the Lord. I said last week, if you weren't here, that this encounter was a radical, life-altering conversion experience. But the fact is, Moses still has doubts. He's still got a lot of questions. And today we'll see that Moses is still full of excuses for why he's not the man to fulfill God's plan to save Israel. Moses, indeed, has cold feet at the burning bush. Listen now to Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 to 17. Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A staff. And God said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, uh, Put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand, that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Again the Lord said to him, Put, out, put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside his cloak, and when Moses took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand back into your cloak. So he put his hand back in his cloak, and when Moses took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. If they will not believe Either of these two signs, or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on dry ground, and the water that you shall pour out from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute, or deaf, or seeing, or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and teach you what you shall speak. But Moses said, O my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. Take in your hand this staff with which you shall do the signs." This is the word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. How many of us have prayed for a sign to know what to do? Oh Lord, please just give me a sign to know what to do. Or an open parking spot. Or that letter I'm waiting for in the mail. Give me a sign, Lord, of what to do. Well, here's Moses. He's given a huge sign. A burning bush that is not consumed by the fire. And the voice from the angel of the Lord speaking to him, he's in the middle of the most extraordinary encounter with God, and he has questions. Who am I to receive this blessing? And and who are you, O God? And then this third question, what if they don't believe me? What if they won't listen to me? What if they say, the Lord did not appear to you? He didn't send you here. Now, that's a pretty understandable question. See, in our minds, we tend to think of Moses as this towering hero of faith, uh, unflinching in his faithfulness as a hero to Israel. But it's worth remembering where Moses started. Insecure, uncertain, unprepared, and quite human. As we continue on in the next couple of weeks, going through the chapters in in the book of Exodus, we're going to see Moses finally on his mission to save the people of Israel out of the hand of Egypt, where they've been enslaved for 400 years. And what we'll see might surprise you. Moses fails. He fails. In fact, when Moses does what he's told to do, and he goes to Pharaoh and tells Pharaoh, let my people go, it only gets worse for the people, not better. And when he goes to the people, they're not so sure he's the one that's going to save them. Even after these signs and wonders, Moses lacks the confidence that he will need and that we will see later on as he grows in his faith. Put another way, the Lord doesn't solve Moses' problems or or totally calm his nerves. Instead, what God is repeating again and again, as we see in these early chapters, is he's calling Moses to trust him. Moses, trust me. Have faith in me. When Moses was faced with his calling to bring the people out, his first reaction was, I can't, so I won't. But God brings Moses to the point in his life where instead he says, I can't, but God can, so I will. That, my friends, is where I hope all of us are moving to, to that place of deep, maturing faith in Christ, in doing God's will, even when it's hard or unpopular or countercultural, not because we have the, the strength of will to just Get it done because we know that when we are living out God's will, we are always on the right path. And that God's will will be accomplished not by our own strength, but by faith. If your faith is growing stronger, then you are trusting the promises of God recorded in the Bible, in the Word of God. Because you know God always keeps his word. Spiritually mature Christians 
do not act on the supposition where there's a will, there's a way. Instead, mature Christians in faith, that kind of faith means acting on the conviction that despite our feelings of inadequacy or being ineffective or incompetent, all feelings that, that Moses had, you overcome that by faith through the empowering of the Spirit of God, who confirms in our spirit the thought, when I am doing God's will, he will show me the way. When I'm doing God's will, even when I'm afraid, even when I don't have the right words, he will supply me with all that I need to accomplish it. That's really the, the big idea of today's message. It's a message of trusting in God that he can do it through you. Moses' question is understandable, isn't it? How will the people believe me? They'll think I'm a kook. If I show up with this message that I'm here to rescue you, how will they believe me? And so the Lord demonstrates signs and wonders. These aren't tricks. This isn't abracadabra, hocus-pocus. This is, these are signs and wonders that strengthen Moses' resolve and that will be used, and we'll see these are foreshadowed throughout the rest of the story. The staff transformed into a snake. His hand becomes diseased, and then it returns to normal. Nile water uh, poured out, and then it will turn to blood. This is a foreshadowing of the first of the ten plagues. These are all meant to authenticate Moses' calling, but what are we to make of them? I mean, have you read this before? Is this your first time? Or if it's not, if you read it with fresh eyes, that sounds pretty bizarre, doesn't it? What are we to make of it? Well, as I was approaching this text this week, I, I, I thought this might be helpful for us to first consider each sign as it would be received by the people of Egypt. What would they make of these signs, first and foremost? And then how would Moses received them? What impact would it have on Moses? Because even though the Hebrew elders and people at first aren't so sure about Moses, they will quickly get on board. These people are desperate. If you have people that are desperate, they will take anything that sounds like good news. They will follow along pretty quickly, but Pharaoh, he's going to be a little harder sell. And Moses, first and foremost, needs to believe in the mission that God's calling him to. A snake, leprosy, and the Nile. What do these three things have in common? Well, they all factor in to Egyptian politics, religion, culture, and life. The cobra, with its raised hood, was a power symbol that adorned the Egyptian king's headdress called the ureus. It was an emblem of supreme power to strike fear in the Egyptians' enemies. The cobra was this, this power symbol for politics, but it was also associated with their religion. It was associated with the sun god, Ray. So when the Lord commands Moses to throw his staff down and it turns into a snake, the, the snake immediately is understood as a power symbol of Egyptian politics and religion. And the Lord is sovereign, is in command of all of it, and is above all of it. Now Moses' reaction is natural, isn't it? He jumps back, he, he goes running away, 
But now, notice what God tells him to do next. Moses grabbed the snake by its tail. Now, I do not have a lot of uh, snake handling experience. Very limited. I am an Eagle Scout, and I do watch a lot of Animal Planet. So I'm pretty confident in saying this, that the worst way of handling a venomous snake is to reach out and grab it by its tail so that its head can turn around and get you with its fangs. But what does he do? Moses hears God's word, and he acts on faith and reaches out, and it turns back into a shepherd's crook. The Lord says, they'll believe that I sent you. And if not, here's another miraculous sign. Now, if, if I was Moses, and I just heard God say, here's another miraculous sign, I'm looking around, okay, now, now what's going to happen? Okay, maybe he'll take my shoes and turn them into a pair of lions. That would be cool. Or maybe he'll take my cloak and turn it into an eagle. Like, yeah. That's not what the Lord does. So the Lord is working in Moses' life. What does he tell him to do? He says, put your hand into your cloak and take it out again. And when Moses does, he's terrified to see that it is white as snow, covered in this terrible skin disease. L leprosy was a contagion of uh, an epidemic in Egypt that would strike the fear in all the people. It was absolutely terrifying because there was no cure. Worse than Ebola in West Africa or measles in Disneyland, leprosy would have struck fear in Moses and in all the people. If Moses felt unfit to serve God before, imagine what he felt seeing the contagion instantly ravage his own arm. It is the living God alone who can make the very place of disease into a place of healing and restoration. Moses needed to understand he is an instrument in the hand of God. He is delivering the very words of God that will bring freedom and life to these people. Soul-healing power of the Spirit of God will work in and through Moses and his brother to lead the people out. So Moses needed to experience that the old man Moses could be transformed into a new man only by the power of God. Third is a sign of Nile water turning to blood. It doesn't even happen. God just says, if we get to, to sign number three, this is what will happen. And we see that it is, in fact, the first of the ten plagues. Messing with the Nile would strike at the very heart of the Egyptian existence. You see, the, the Nile was more than about economics or, or about the, the wealth and the fertility of, of the Egyptians and their great influence over that region. It was their very identity. And the Lord is saying, I am king and ruler over all. To threaten to pollute the Nile was to destroy Egypt itself 
God here is showing a great sign of warning that Moses will bring. If Pharaoh will only soften his heart, and we'll see how that goes with this warning. As loudly as the signs were to speak to Egypt, they spoke first and foremost to Moses. The man who in the past jumped and ran from difficulty, who settled for obscurity, who backed away from challenging situations, he now took the snake by its tail as an act of obedience to the Lord's word. And in that, he saw the path of obedience is the path to victory. He saw his hand turn from life into death and life again. And in that, he understood Yahweh alone has the power to heal and to restore and to bring freedom. He saw the first of the plagues, and in that, he began to grasp that the Holy One, true living God, has the power of life. You shall have no other gods before me, the first of the commandments. Moses needed to understand that in his own life before he could deliver that message to Egypt. In all of his fears, his doubts, his inabilities, God was showing Moses that an act of obedience, of of trusting the Lord's word, would overcome Egypt. Moses, you think you're inadequate? You are. But God is going to use the ordinary for the extraordinary. The Lord is more than a match for any superpower, any time, any place, anywhere. Moses, you think you're unfit? You have no idea the depth of your need, the depth of your dirtiness on the inside that needs to be cleansed, that can only come by the working of God in your life, that he is the source of healing and restoration. Moses, you're afraid for your life that Pharaoh might arrest you, might take your life? You have no hope of taking on the enemy in your own strength until you obey the word of God and walk by faith. These are all lessons that Moses, an 80-year-old, was learning for the first time. So we're done, right? He knows his mission. God's given him all these signs. He's convinced, right? No, he's still not. Oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I get tongue-tied. Send somebody else. What is it going to take to convince this guy? But the Lord is patient. Yes, it says that the Lord starts to become angry. Moses is accountable for doing God's will here, but God is very patient with him. The creator reminds Moses, I created you. I made you for a purpose. This is your purpose, to speak my word. The reality is the Lord foresaw and anticipated Moses' need. He saw way in advance what Moses would need to accomplish it. So from the outset, Moses is afraid. I, I, I can't speak well. What can I do? And already God was sending his brother Aaron, who he hadn't seen for all those years, to come to partner with him in delivering the message of warning and freedom. Here's the big idea I want to leave with you this morning. When you are doing God's will, 
He will show you the way, and he will supply your every need. Here's a question for you today. Do you have trouble believing that you can do what God is calling you to do? Right now, with whatever God's got in store for your life, whatever questions, whatever crossroads you're at, are you having trouble believing that you can do what God is calling you to do? It's going to cost too much. It's too difficult. It's too stressful. I can't do it. Are those the questions that are crowding your mind? Listen, when you are in the Father's will, He will show you the way, and He will equip you with what you need. The Lord is saying to Moses, let me show you what I can do. All these signs come into play in the story in one form or another later on as we continue on. But Moses learned that day what I think is the takeaway for all of us here who are Christians, who have faith in Jesus Christ, that he died for our sins and rose from the grave, that the sign of the empty tomb confirms it for us, listen, who have seen that sign and believe it, in order to be used for God's glory to live out your God-given purpose in the brief life that you have on this earth, you have to place your life into God's hands. When Jesus sent out the 12 apostles and he, it says they gave them power and authority over demons and to heal people, this is in Luke chapter 9, when he sends them out, how did he prepare them? Only with his words. He says, take nothing for the trip. No staff, no bag, no pocket knife, no food. What scout trip would be complete without food? He says, take nothing with you. Why? Because he wanted them to understand they had everything they needed to accomplish their mission. God has given clear and unmistakable directions to Moses. But rather than trust God at first, Moses starts making excuses. So let me ask you again. Do you have trouble believing that you can do what God is calling you to do? If that's you, then the cure for cold feet is the refined fire of the Holy Spirit. What do I mean by that? What, we're going to get burned? No. That is the Holy Spirit within your life, kindled and burning brighter in your life, will dispel any fears, any hesitancies to do God's will if he's made it clear to you what his will is. Because God delights in displaying his strength in our weakness. Maybe that's not it for you. Maybe that's not the issue. Maybe you just don't want to do what God is calling you to do. It's too much trouble. It's too hard. It's too uncomfortable. It will cost too much money. My, my lifestyle will have to be decreased so that this ministry or this work can increase. Maybe you've been given sign after sign, and yet still, deep down, you just don't want to do it. You want to do what you want to do. I've been there. I know that feeling. Just ask yourself this morning, am I making excuses for not doing what the Lord has called and directed and commanded me to do? Am I avoiding living according to God's will for my life and coming up with excuses? Am I, sending, am I saying, 
oh Lord, please send someone else to share your love in the world around me. Moses' sign was a snake. Jesus' sign was victory over Satan and hell. Moses' sign was his sick hand. Jesus' sign was overcoming the tomb. Moses' sign was the Nile. Jesus offers abundant life through his precious blood shed on the cross. We were made for God's glory. We shouldn't imagine that our personal limitations somehow place a limit on God's ability to glorify himself in our lives. Next week, we'll see that Moses starts to to grow in his faith and trust, and he goes about doing exactly what the Lord requires him to do, and the excuses disappear. May this be how each of our stories is written from here on out. Let's pray. Lord, I know when I'm doing and living your will, you promise to show me the way and to supply me with what I need to accomplish it by your Spirit. And so, God, I want to say for myself, afresh, and for my friends here, our life is in your hands. Make us an instrument of your will. Lord God, address and speak truth and what's really real into our lives when we're facing our our fears and our doubts and our hesitancies of, of fully embracing the call you have for each of us. Your promise to supply me with what I need to accomplish is true. Lord, may, make it true in each person's life here. Whatever the struggles are that we have, that we're facing, remind us again this morning, Lord, your mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Amen.